open your Bible, if you would, to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21. I wonder if you're familiar with the book of Ecclesiastes. Don't worry, we're going to be in Revelation this morning, but hang with me. Have you read the book of Ecclesiastes? Studied that book? It is well worth the study. It's part of what we might call the wisdom literature of the Bible. We need that because we're not born wise. We need to learn wisdom. And probably the biggest teaching in the book of Ecclesiastes is it's trying to help us understand what this world is all about. The world that we live in. They call it under the sun. Where we live in this world under the sun. That is to say, without particular reference to God, with no reference to eternity, just here and now. And the question that it seeks to answer is, what is life all about just here and just now? And the answer gives us wisdom, but it is shocking and sobering. Because the answer is that life, all of life, is vanity. Futility. Pointless. If this is all that there is, if this is all that there is, life under the sun, then mankind toils in futility. And it takes time to work through some arguments on that. Well, what about hard work, Ken? Hard work means nothing in the grave. What about pleasure? It's fleeting. What about wisdom? Well, certainly wisdom, but no. This teaches you to know better how futile life is. We live in a world that's under the curse. Ecclesiastes talks about it. Genesis talks about it back at the, the other end of our Bible. We're at Revelation now, but back at the other end, when mankind sinned, God cursed men and women, and all of creation. Creation is now saturated in that curse. Thorns of the ground, and pain and suffering and futility. Sometimes I think we might forget how pervasive the curse really is. Maybe we're just so used to living here. There is of course, there's a common grace available. The world is not as bad as it could be. Praise God. God. God gives grace to the just and the unjust. Praise God. There's a common grace for the believer and for the unbeliever. Sunsets are still gorgeous. Praise God. There is also, for believers, joy in Christ. In this world, on this planet. Praise God for Christ who is our joy and who gives us joy. Sometimes I think, though, we forget about the curse of this world because of our affluence. And we're able, perhaps more than some others, to skate above some of those other things that can trip others up. We can steal and rob joy. We can, we can do that for a while, at least, with affluence. I think there might be something, too, to like the American culture of we can fix anything, you know? 
we got this, kind of eternal optimist. We can fix any problem, but friend, the curse of this world is beyond your fixing. It is beyond my fixing. And if you think otherwise, I recommend for you the book of Ecclesiastes so that you may learn wisdom. And here it is, life under the sun, life on this planet, life without some kind of hope in the beyond is futile and broken and cursed. You don't have to go to Ecclesiastes to know that. You could go to Romans to know that. And yes, I know we're in Revelation this morning, okay? But if you were to look over to, Re to Romans chapter 8, it says that the creation was subjected to futility. That is a depressing word, futility. Whatever happens in creation doesn't get anywhere. The effort is, is futile and vain. It's the curse of Genesis. It's, it's the, the vanity of Ecclesiastes, spoken of in the New Testament now. Romans 8 goes on and says, all of creation is groaning. All of creation groaning under this futility. And if you've got eyes, biblical eyes, you can see this everywhere. It's every time an animal dies. There's that groaning of creation under the curse. It's when the predator takes down the prey. It's when the predator fails to take down the prey and goes hungry. Utility, curse. It's in the broader universe. If you're familiar with what physicists say, scientists, it's called entropy. Slowly over time, it just becomes more and more disordered. And galaxies, once vibrant and alive with energy, grow dim and grow faint and grow dark and grow cold which is the only hope outside of God. That kind of heat death of the universe, as they call it. The futility, the curse is visible in our lives. You fight it every day in rust and mildew and mold and erosion and termites and decay. It's floods and earthquakes, house fires, crop failures, hurricanes. All of creation groans. And Romans 8 doesn't stop there. It continues. And not only creation, but we ourselves groan inwardly. Curse doesn't stop out there. It it impacts us and is within us. So you felt it when you're hurt by people through gossip or malice or violence. It's cancer. It's COVID. It's Crohn's disease. It's being old. Needing a CPAP in order to sleep. Not as good as you used to sleep. And still needing to get up and use the bathroom three times even so. 
being young, still trying to figure out the world and not really liking what you find and still trying to figure out yourself and not really liking what you find. That insecurity of middle school. Studying hard in college only to forget 90% of what you studied and I've got bad news for you. It's actually 100%. Just give it enough time. Vanity. It's a career spent making money to then spend all that money on long-term care. It's the pain of losing loved ones. It's the pain of having loved ones and having that relationship tainted by sin. Every single one of them just seeping in. It's depression. It's anxiety. It's that gnawing sense that you're not enough. Futility. Struggling with desires you know you shouldn't have. Taking up your cross again to follow Jesus. And yes, you find him to be enough. But man, that cross is heavy. Creation's broken. The curse is everywhere. All is futility. All is vanity. This is the testimony of Scripture. And it is the honest testimony of any wise human. And it's the background for Revelation chapter 21. Because Revelation 21 is a passage of hope for that world. And that's amazing. Revelation 21 is the hope of the Christian. It is hope that can weather any disease, any disappointment, any darkness, any depression. It is the only hope, I would argue, robust enough to stand up to all of those things in a world of vanity. This hope remains. And it is hope for the taking this morning. So let us look to God's word. And may the Lord enable us to lay hold of the hope in his word this morning. So we're going to consider Revelation 21, the first four verses if you would follow along as I read. Revelation 21, verse 1, God's Word. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with, him, with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore.
for the former things have passed away. Amen. And Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see the hope that is in your word for each one of us here. None are beyond reach of this hope. Would you ignite this hope in each heart by the power of your spirit? Amen. Amen. There are two wonderful things in the passage in front of us, two fantastically good pieces of news. The first is that this world is ending. And the second is that a new world will begin. This world is ending. A new world will begin. We can see that just in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. So we're going to begin by considering the first half of that, the end of this world, the end of this world. It says the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. We're not used to thinking about, you know, here as the first earth. We just kind of tend to think of it as the earth, you know. But that's how the scripture's talking about it, right? Talking about our earth right now, our universe, the place, the galaxy that we inhabit. Revelation talks about it as the first heaven and the first earth. And I have good news for you, friend. It's passing away. And that is good news, friend, that this sin-stained world, this curse-saturated world, this world of vanity and futility is coming to an end. Now, as I say that, you may have a couple different responses, maybe, maybe three different responses that we could have. And the first is to hear that good news and to think that it's bad news. This world is passing away. I imagine if you hear it that way, that perhaps you have your health. Maybe you still have your youth. Perhaps you have a degree of financial security and you aren't really lonely. You're not grieving. You're not struggling. And there's that sense that your dreams are still within your reach. Perhaps God has given you such blessings in this world. And he does. He does give us such blessings in this world. Praise God that he does. But perhaps he's given you such blessings in this world that you have forgotten the giver for all the gifts. And your sense of needing God is so muted because you have everything you need, or at least most of it. It is, my friend, the work of Satan to convince you, though, to distract you by the gifts from the giver to convince you that you have all that you need and to lull you asleep and to pull you from God. Listen, if that's you, if your response to this passage is that it's not good news that this world is ending, if, 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 you, if you would desire this world to just continue and continue, this is where your hope is, then Revelation speaks a word of warning to you. This world will not last. This world 
cannot last, for God has determined it to be so. This world will come to an end. And with it, all the power, all the prestige, all the pleasure, all the stuff that you've been working so hard for in this world under the sun will come to an end. We're building sandcastles in a tidal zone. The tide is coming in. And so many, so many, perhaps some in here, and certainly many that we know, are so busy building that sandcastle, adding on a wing, decorating the sandcastle, air-conditioned sandcastles in the tidal zone as the tide rises. Live not for this world. For this world is passing away. Look to Christ, who alone is not passing away, and who will give you joy in this world and in the next. Now, the second response you might have as you hear this word that this world is passing away, the second response you might have is to think that this is really good news. Praise God, this world is passing away. I'm so lonely. I'm in so much pain, my mind is consumed by it. I'm so depressed, I don't remember what joy is like. Friend, if that's you, then I would just say, yes and amen and take hope here. Because all of that is passing away. Glory to God. And it is right and good for the suffering Christian to put their hope in this next world. Because this world, glory to God, is passing away. So, so if, that's, if that's you, I imagine there are some here to greater or lesser degree where that would describe you. We encourage you for at least a moment, look up from your suffering. Look to your Savior again. And as often as you can, look up from your suffering and look down the road because there is light down the road. There is. It is light and it is a bright light down that road. Look up this morning, if at no other time, and see the light prepared for you on the road that the Lord is leading you down. And then take his hand and follow him today. Take his hand. He'll give you what you need today. And then tomorrow, he'll give you what you need tomorrow. And do that again. And then this day will come in his timing for you. Third response you might have to this news that the world is ending probably positions you somewhere between those two ends of the spectrum. Maybe there are times when you are suffering so much that it's not hard for you to think ahead. Your thoughts are drawn to the Lord, or at least to how hard this world is. 
But there's other times when you realize your heart is in love with this world. You keep drifting back away from Christ to being in love with this world and your thoughts of eternity grow dim and your thoughts of God go from Sunday to Sunday before you think of Him again. I suspect most of us find ourselves somewhere here and really needing the message this morning from God's Word. And I mean like both sides of the coin of this message as well. At times we need to be reminded, this world is ending, don't build here. This world is ending, don't spend your life decorating sandcastles in the tidal zone. As God's Word says, do not love the world or the things of the world. Love God, love others, follow Jesus, take up your cross. And at the other side of the coin, we often need to be encouraged. We often need to be reminded, take heart and, and look to Christ, and He's enough. He's going to carry us. And every child of His, he's going, to, he's going to get you there. The journey's like long and scary because it's so long. Except that He said, follow me. So He's there on every step of the journey. He's going to be with us every step of the journey until we regather in the new heavens and the new earth. So the two things we're talking about from this passage, the end of this world, and the second, the beginning of the next. The beginning of the next. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Now, it is certainly good news that the first heaven and the first earth are passing away, because with them, for God's people, all suffering, all pain, all depression, all vanity goes with it. Praise God. But it would be rather sad if that were it. Oh, the first world is passing away. God's going to turn the lights out on creation on his way out the door. That, well, okay. <laughs> that would be a, a sad ending, even with the end of suffering. But praise God, the end of the first world is the beginning of the second. He has a second in mind for all of his people. So what is this new heaven and new earth like? We get to spend the next couple weeks looking into that over the rest of Revelation 21 and into chapter 22 as well. But this morning, there are at least three things that we could notice about the new heaven and the new earth. And the first is that it will be a physical place. It will be a physical place. We're not talking about, you know, the new earth, a dwelling place for spirits. You know, we're, not, we're not talking about floating on a cloud with a harp, with angels that look like little babies. We're not talking even about heaven as heaven is right now. 
right now, heaven is, is the dwelling place of, of God's Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, of angelic spirits, and of the spirits of the saints who've gone before. That's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about a, a, a new kind of place for spirits. We're talking about a, a new earth, a physical place, a home at which we will feel quite at home, for which we have been made. Now, this new earth is going to be far more glorious than this earth, but an earth it will be. And for all the difference, we need to not lose sight of the similarity because we're meant to take comfort in this, not fear it. You know, if heaven isn't good news to you, where will your hope be? It should be good news. So, so, so think, of it, think of it like this, right? We've got some few folks in this room. I'm not going to point them out by name. Some few folks who are truly Spotsylvania natives. They were born here. They were raised here. They went to middle school and high school here. They're living out their lives here. They hope to die here one day. Spotsylvania is their home. The rest of us, I think, are just passing through. But Spotsylvania is my home. Been here now almost 15 years. There's something that God has made us to love about home. It's familiar. We know the roads around our house. You don't have to think to get to the grocery store. You can kind of get there. You don't have to think once you get in the grocery store. You know where everything is. You know, just kind of walk and find it because it's your your place and then to a greater or lesser degree the home that we live in or lived in growing up that sense of belonging and safety I'm aware that not every home is that way but every home is supposed to be that way but regardless of, of what home has looked like for you it is a pointer ahead to this. It is, a, it is a dim echo of this. This is home. And it, it will feel more like home than any home you've been in. On day one, oh, home. Glory to God. physical place you know the book began in a garden physical place God had designed to be perfectly suited for his people and then when they sinned he, he sent them out from that garden into this world cold and harsh and vain the end of the book brings us back to that garden again that home made for us again so the first thing we see it is a physical place the second thing we see in these four verses is what's missing and praise God for what's missing verse 4 he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, 
for the former things have passed away. The, the former things have passed away. The former things. Now we began the message this morning, back in the book of Ecclesiastes, talking about those former things. We look back into Genesis to talk about the curse. We looked into Romans and talked about the futility. And, and it's weighty. It's heavy. Because those former things are full of grief and difficulty. But here, I can't get over how the Scripture talks about it. Former things. A p -p picture, picture. Two saints in glory walking together on the new earth. Speaking of the former things. Pain and suffering, disease, and depression, anxiety, loneliness, sin, death. You remember those things? Oh, yeah, you know, I had almost forgotten it's been so long. Those things, those former things, those things that we no longer face, that we no longer fear, that we can no longer find no matter where we look, former, used to be, has been, once was, long gone, dust-covered, former things. Saints, one day you're going to speak of former things. Glory to God. What kind of day will that be when we get to call all of it former things that we no longer have to worry about and that just become part of our grace-filled memory? how God worked in us. Those former things will not be there on that day. The third and final thing we see about the new earth is the best part of it. This is the best promise in this chapter. In fact, it's the best promise in Revelation. It is the best promise in this book. It is the best promise of all promises. It's in verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. God will dwell with us. We, we will dwell with him. God, the infinite and eternal, who is so vast that he cannot, that he, that he fills all of creation and then some. God will dwell upon the earth with you and me. He will, as, as the original text actually says, he will tabernacle with us. 
translate as dwell. But, but the word is tabernacle. You've heard that word. Because he had a tabernacle in the Old Testament where he came to dwell with his people in the wilderness. And then it was a temple where he dwelt with his people. And then it was in the person of his son where for 33 years he dwelt with his people. And now, glory to God, those who are in Christ are filled with the Holy Spirit and he dwells with his people. But friends, none of those things hold a candle to this. When he comes to tabernacle with his people, this has been the plan the whole time. Started in the garden where he would come walking in the cool of the day with his people. And it's going to happen again. Paradise restored. What a day that will be. And that's because of Jesus. Listen, if you think you are too far from God for this, you're right. You are. So am I. Except for Jesus Christ. See, he dwelt with God for all eternity and left so that he could bring you to God. That's why he came. That's why he died on the cross. To take away your sin, that thing that was separating you from God. Which if you're honest, you know separates you from God. He came to take it away to bring you to God. So if you haven't turned to him, let me just invite you. Turn to Jesus today. Is your hope in this world? Find a hope that lasts. Look to Christ. And he will give you joy like you've never known in this world. And joy like none of us have known in the next. And saints, the gospel, Christ died for our sins, is not just the way we came in the front door, the way we got saved. This is our hope every day. How are we going to get from today to that day? Uh, Jesus, that's how. So today, you come in however you came in this, this morning. You have sin to confess, confess it and be done with it and look again to the cross where he got rid of all of it, that he could bring you to God. And then look to him in faith, with eyes of faith again, and say, yes, that sacrifice is enough for me. I'm going to keep following you today. Give me strength today. Then I'm going to need you again tomorrow. So give me strength for tomorrow. That is the Christian life. And day by day, he will bring us to that day. that day. So what makes the new earth so great? One thing. The presence of God. What makes heaven heaven? The presence of God. I'll go so far. What is the one thing that distinguishes heaven from hell? The presence of God. 
The Christian hope is not streets of gold. Christian hope is not mansions and crowns. The Christian hope is not even lack of suffering, lack of pain, lack of disease. All those things are part of it, certainly. But without Him, trash and sewage. Christian hope is God. And knowing Him and being with Him and the dwelling place of God will be with men. And we will dwell with Him and we will know Him forever. So friends, we are on a journey. I need this book to remind me of that. Because it's easy to settle in and feel like this is home. We are pilgrims. We are travelers. We're not home yet. Let's, let's live for the home that he's promised for us. And I know the, the road is long and difficult. Those former things, they ain't former yet. They're here and they're present and they're painful and they're difficult. So friend, when, when, when you face one of those, allow it to do the work. Do you know that God has a work for it for you? To pulling up the roots of your heart out of this broken world? and casting your vision ahead to what he's promised for you, allow it to do that. And when you, when you enjoy something good of this world, some sweetness, and there is sweetness, and there is good, allow that to be for you but a foretaste of what is to come. Don't get distracted by it. Get motivated by it. To get to home. 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 Listen, for all the, the pain and the suffering and the former things, that we walk through. Got good news. It won't slow you down. You're moving. You're moving towards this. Inexorably, unstoppably, never slows down. No matter what. Doesn't you know it's been ten days since Thanksgiving? Already? We are ten days closer to home. You know, we just had the new year. How long ago? Three hundred and thirty seven days ago. We are 337 days closer to home, every one of us. Four more weeks, we'll have another new year. And we'll be one year closer to home. Home is coming, friends. Home is coming. So let us keep running. Let us keep trusting. Let us keep enduring. Let us keep serving him who is going to bring us Worship team, come on up. Let's stand together and pray. Father, I pray for those here who really are struggling and discouraged, who are experiencing the full force of those former things, a hurricane blast in the face. Oh, Lord. Would you help them to lay hold of this hope? Would you help us to lay hold of this hope? That our hope would be in you and in your great and precious promises. And Lord, where our hearts are prone to wander, would you draw us back to yourself? 
with better promises than this world has to offer. Lord, forgive us where we run after other things and keep us near to you. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to bring us home. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.